Welcome to Hatch Invites, the remote and in-person platform that offers inspiration, learning, and best practices when it comes to the transformative power of humanized leadership. My name is Joris van Heuklom. I'm a partner at Hatch and host of this edition of the show. I'm very glad you're joining us today as we will do a deep dive into the world of leadership. Our guest today is Laszlo Konya, and he's the CEO of Deutsche Telekom IT Solutions Hungary. With him, we will talk about his personal journey as a leader and the elements he defines to be crucial in the development of corporations that value people as much as profits. Welcome, Laszlo. Hi, happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, we're happy to have you here because we, we did some talking up front, the recording of this podcast, and you shared a lot of interesting stuff. And I'm quite convinced that the listeners of this podcast will find it as interesting as I did. But to kick off, could you share a bit about your personal journey? How did you grow to the position of CEO? And are there certain key experiences that shaped your leadership style? I have to be honest with you in the early days of my career, I did not want to become a leader at all. My mm -hmm. whole focus was to become one of the best software developers on earth. And my early years I spent in, in software development, um, which I really enjoyed. But then a, a few years later, more into my career and moving into more senior roles, I realized that I'm good working with people. I enjoy it extremely. And I also realized that some other people are better than me in software development. So all in all, I started to move into project management, then uh, functional management. And at my second workplace, I went through all the career ladders in 10, 10, 10 11 years from software developer, be becoming the managing director of that company, it was a smaller Hungarian company. Then I did the same here in Telecom, the Hungarian unit of, of Deutsche Telekom, where in, in 10, 11 years, being a business operations manager, then different, leading different operational units. And ultimately, almost two years ago, becoming the CEO of the company. And what I can share you that my kind of approach was always the same. I try to do more than what is expected. And I believe that everyone should have the same approach because everyone, if everyone is just doing their own job, then these are not interconnected enough. And like an example, my previous role, I used to be the vice president for growth portfolio area. So that was one of the four divisions here in Hungary. But during the COVID period, I was running the COVID defense activities for the whole company. So I really enjoyed moving out a little bit of the role, what I had. In my actual role, I'm running the Hungarian delivery hub for Deutsche Telekom, but I do a lot of cooperation with other countries and try to support other countries growing, try to support India, try to support Romania as well, which is a new site for these systems. And this is important for me. And I think uh, this is the way how we can build up stronger company results at the end. Yeah, you earlier mentioned that you aim to be a software developer, but then you realized that maybe it was even better to become a manager, a leader, a director, and currently a CEO. Can I, because I did some studies in other companies regarding extroversion of people and introversion of people, and well, more or less, most of the software developers are marred have more tendency to be introvert. I don't know if you're introvert or extrovert. That's up to you to tell us. But what do you think about this dimension? Is introversion, is it is it a strength to become a leader or is extroversion a strength to become a leader? 
you, you can't answer that question with yes or no in my view. So mm-hmm. you can't become a good leader with either with extroversion or introversion. Me, myself, I'm, I'm extroverted, uh, quite obviously. When I was young, to be honest, I did all my studies in, 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 in very real sciences, very tangible sciences, and all these soft skills were not that much in my focus. And, and just in my 20s, uh, I started to learn much more about that. And I, I started to understand this whole dimension of emotional intelligence, which I'm still learning because <laughs> I think it's a topic what you can always learn yourself. But going back to your question, in some cases, being an introverted leader is really useful. In some other cases, being extroverted is also can be a successful trait. My experience is that being extroverted helps because mm-hmm. obviously I like connecting with people. I like to be on stage. I like uh, building up relationships. If that's tough for you as introvert, that must be something what you need to bridge and, and work on. Uh, but uh, being introverted doesn't mean uh, that uh, you necessarily can't be a, become a good leader. No, I, I think that's a very nice answer to the question. It's not as binary as I probably stated it. And what you say quite clearly is whether you're introverted or extroverted, if you want to become a leader, you should be able to build bridges and to practice your emotional intelligence, because that's, let's say, a skill or a competency or a thing that was very important for you. You mentioned earlier when we talked with each other that you read a book. It's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's written by Travis Bradbury and John Graves. This book, it shed a light on certain aspects of managers, directors, leaders' behavior that you said, okay, this is interesting. I have to train that. I have to know more about it. Could you elaborate a bit on the book and the learnings you got from the book earlier? Yeah, I quite clearly remember it. It was six or seven years ago when I read this book. Again, I started to to look into this side of life, this whole emotional intelligence and personal relationships in my late 20s and, and, and my 30s. But six, seven years ago, I, I, I was listening first to this book as an audio book. We moved into a new house and I was painting my little daughter's room. I, I quite clearly remain, uh, remember it. And during uh, this painting, I was listening to the whole book practically. It was a lot of work being done there. And it was a book which really fascinated me. And I, I reread it as, as, as a normal book later. The logic was very simple of this book. You need first to understand yourself to be able to develop yourself. And then you need to understand the other people to be able to connect and build relationships. And the most important thing what I, I learned from that book is that uh, how, however people see you, that is their reality. And, and you need to understand that reality uh, because if you understand it and accept it, you can start working on that if you don't like it, for example, because everyone has, a, of course, a bit distorted view on themselves. And sometimes you might be really surprised when other people have different views about yourself than you about yourself. Mm-hmm. But you need to understand their view because that is their reality. And you, that, that, that's the point when you can start working to change that reality because you might say, I don't like how other people perceive me. We will come back to your reality because I think with certain tools like 360 reviews and stuff like that, you discovered more about yourself than you at that time did know about yourself. We will come back to that later. But is it a is it a logical hypothesis when I say that there are a lot of leaders or to be leaders 
that are a bit afraid of their uh, self-image, of uh, that are uh, maybe a bit afraid to become really self-aware? Could it be confronting? Getting a proper, honest feedback on yourself from the, the environment in my view, if it's working properly, this feedback, then uh, in many cases, it can be painful. It can be a kind of, some cases, even a shock to the person. To me, it was as well a shock uh, when I did my first 360 service. Mm-hmm. And many people try to address that, okay, they are wrong. They see it totally wrong. They don't understand me, whatever. So try to explain why people have a, a view on, on, on the person or on myself. Let's talk in my name. So mm-hmm. if, if other people have a view on me where I don't agree, I might start to explain why are they wrong with their views and try to convince them somehow. But the real thing is when you start to accept that you do something wrong and the only thing that you can change is yourself. And, and yeah. when you start to think, okay, what can I do differently? So that their reaction is the reaction of what I would expect and their evaluation of me is closer to my own evaluation. Uh, that's the thing where you can influence it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think uh, you have to be brave to confront yourself with yourself through a mirror of other people because that's, that, that's what's really happening when you have a decent 360. But okay, this is Hatch Invites and we love humans but we also always try to get a little bit personal. So could you maybe tell us some things you discovered about yourself a couple of years ago where you said, okay, this is the mirror of other people towards me. I didn't notice. I'm going to put things in action to change my behavior. What did you learn during your 360? I remember one of the early 360s here at Telecom. It was around 12 years ago. Where we got the stay is a survey where you evaluate yourself, your boss is evaluating you, your peers and your subordinates. And the results were acceptable, good. I was looking at that time as a good leadership material, but my self view, my self confidence, how positive I looked to myself was by far better than I got from the outside. And there was some very, con- con- very, very, very tangible feedbacks. And one of them was that it's not nice that I'm sitting with my direct reports in a one-to-one meeting and regularly mm-hmm. checking my emails on my phone. Okay. Uh, I was, of course, aware that I do that. It was a kind of FOMO or fear of missing out feeling in, in me. And, but I thought that I'm doing it in a very sophisticated way that no one is realizing it. I'm doing it very, uh, in a very tricky way. And it does Un- Under the table or how do you do that? Right. Somehow under the table. But of course, when you get a, a survey result like that, and, and this was not in the measurable part of the survey, but in the free text part and four or five comments mentioning the same behavior, like we don't uh, appreciate it. This is mm-hmm. something what, what shows that we are not important to you. And I realized the impact of how de- damaging is the impact of that behavior. I started intentionally to change it and force myself, started to do the one-to-one meetings with my phone face down on the table, very declaring that I'm not checking it. And I mm-hmm. can tell you, it was a torture for me that, uh, at the beginning. I, I was continuously feeling an internal frustration that I'm not able to look at my phone for the next half an hour or one hour, whatever the, was the length of that meeting. Mm-hmm. But then I started to have much deeper discussions because I was fully focusing on that person uh, and we could get to much deeper levels of relationship. And I started to really enjoy that. 
and it gave me much, much more. And, and then I, I added a lot of extra learnings and, and tricks on top of that. For example, uh, my, on my phone, I'm not getting any email notifications. They are coming in. I'm, I'm checking quite regularly my emails and I, I can guarantee you I'm one of the fastest reply uh, guys in the whole organization, but they are not coming up as, as notifications because that's just dis disturbing my actual discussions. And I realized that this kind of focus on your personal relationships and focus to being in the moment, that's extremely important because it shows respect to the other person and gives back a lot to you. Mm -hmm. That's a clear example of how you redesigned your own be behavior, your day-to-day -day behavior. Very simple but a tangible uh, example. What what do you think is the most the most difficult through 360s or other tools? Of course, you can gather self awareness, insights regarding yourself, your behavior, your emotions, your reactions towards external situational factors, elements. This is one thing, and then you have the other thing that is through that self awareness, you come to the next stage, which is self management, which is re-steering or redesigning your own behavior. That's what you were talking about also with your phone example. What do you think is the most difficult, gathering the awareness stuff or putting them into action through self-management? So these topics are, are obviously strongly interconnected without a, a deep understanding of yourself. It's very hard to improve yourself or without effective uh, self-management skills, being just self-aware doesn't make much sense. Um, depends on the person, I would say. For me personally, self-awareness is harder. I, I have the feeling that I'm just born without a, a proper set of sensors. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, may, maybe because I'm a male and, and I see many female colleagues around me who, who are much better in that. And I have many, uh, a few colleagues around myself who, with whom I work and who know that I really appreciate uh, getting instant feedback uh, in cases when I do something, let's say, not the not in the best, nicest way, and I don't realize it. And, and they tell me immediately, we sit in a meeting, uh, I have some maybe harsh words. I don't realize at that moment. And after the meeting, some of these colleagues uh, with whom I have a really close relationship come to me and they tell me, Master, that was not kind what you said to that person. And then I can go back to that person, apologize. And, mm -hmm. and it, it helps uh, building up those relationships. And also, I think this is valid for all, all uh, in, in management and, and in leadership. In my leadership round here in Hungary, the executive team, in every meeting we have a, an observer, which is a a rotation role every week someone else and at the end of our executive meetings the observer is sharing in front of the others what kind of things he or she realized about the behavior or interactions of the team in many cases mentioning even okay someone was doing it nice or not nice so for me the self-realization self-awareness is, is definitely harder because when i know about the problem when i realize mm -hmm. it from that moment, that's for me like a, a project. It's a target. I, I want to improve that. I want to work on that, even it's, if it's a sensitive topic to myself, but I know what to do. Uh, and not realizing it, it's the, the hardest part for me. It's a very nice example you share regarding the observer in executive meetings, because I think if other leaders from other companies would now listen to this podcast, they would definitely I would advise them to take example because what you do here is you try to objectivate the behavior of individuals and the group during an executive meeting and to reflect on your behavior and meeting styles. And this is really something that is extremely rewarding, I think. 
And what, what, hey, listen, we... one, one, one more story on that. Um, it's very hard to address these very deep uh, emotional conflicts what are happening sometimes in the moment, because in the moment you are in that conflict. And of course, we, we might address that and discuss it at the end of the meetings. But we have when we have serious issues within the team, regularly we have meetings where we sit together and discuss only about the team dynamics. And we take these examples, maybe three weeks or a month later, when everyone is already cooled down and the topic is mm-hmm. solved and agreed. But we start to discuss, okay, how we behaved in that moment, how that conflict was unfolding, who did what and what could we do better next time to improve our relationship. And that's much easier to do later when emotions are not that high in the moment. Yeah, definitely. Wise advice. Thank you for that. Hey, I think you're a great example of practicing humanized leadership. On the other hand, you're working in a, not an old industry, but it's a classical industry, if I can say. Maybe I cannot say it, but I said it, so it's too late now. My question here is, is there a possible tension? I, it's just an assumption from me. Is there a possible tension between new forms of leadership, the leadership that, for me personally, you embody in your current role, and old key performance indicator sets? When I studied in the 80s and the 90s, it was about KPIs and hard management and control. And those old KPI sets, they meet a new kind of humanized leadership nowadays and and how do those two things go together it's not an easy topic because you are right on that so traditional key performance indicators usually are quantitative measurable outcomes uh, which Mm -hmm. focus on short-term financial results ultimately of course subsets as well but the result is what can we deliver by this year's end and this has to be delivered, obviously. So the whole economic world works like that. You can't avoid focusing on these short-term results, but you need to focus also on the long-term. And the long-term is where the the behavior of the leaders comes in. You, you, you are a very flattering giving me these feedbacks, but it's not only me. I think whole telecom in all segments very much focuses now on servant leadership and this kind of human-centered approach because we realize that this delivers much more and much better results on the long term and in a much more sustainable way because with different styles of leadership you can deliver short-term results but not on the long term just going back to your question exactly this is why i I Mm -hmm. like much more okrs objective and key results which is coming a lot from the agile world and if you look at the okrs in case of okrs you can have this kind of ambitious okrs this is how for example the scaled agile methodology calls it when in case of KPI, you have a target and you have to reach that. And if you are below that, maybe around 80, 90%, you are in yellow. When you are below that, you are in red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in case of an OKR, an, an ambitious OKR, for example, you set a moonshot. But from the beginning, it's very hard to reach, almost impossible to reach. And everyone tries to reach something which is out of human touch even. Mm-hmm. And if you reach 60, 70, 80% of that's a great result because we did something 
really extraordinary. And this whole OKR methodology is, is also talking about a future vision, uh, which is much more motivating than just delivering a pure number by number result. So I think the, the two words have to live together. So you can't avoid the short-term financial result delivery because no leader can avoid that to, to not deliver uh, sequential uh, quarterly results. But you need the long-term vision and long-term motivating goals uh, for the team because then everyone is really trying to do much more than they uh, were supposed to. So OKRs and... KPIs should work together where the first embodies more the long-term and the latter more embodies the short-term, right? Does growing ever stops, Laszlo? How do you continue to develop yourself? The, the world is changing too fast around us. I, I think uh, no one can declare that I'm ready. On one side, the technology is developing extremely fast and not only as a tech company like us, uh, but every industry is heavily Im impacted by this technological change. You see the impact of AI and large language models lately, which is turning and will turn everything upside down. Uh, but if you look at the soft side skill of a soft side of leadership, your team is changing and you as a person, as you age and you become more mature, you, your personality changes. So you, you need to address that and continuously work on your soft skills. So what I'm doing of myself is learning is somehow part of my everyday life. It's, I, it was always the, the same, probably because my both parents were teachers and I spent many years and days in, in different schools with my teacher, my parents as well when I was, was a kid. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, what I do, I do a, in different dimensions. I have daily repetitions. For example, every day I learn 10, 15 minutes German with Duolingo since... I think four years straight, what I have in Duolingo. Yeah. And then which, which, which language is then? German, mainly German. Oh, okay. Sometimes I switch to other language. Like in the summer, we spent two weeks in Italy and the three months before I was learning Italian. So to being able to enjoy our holidays better and it was really useful. But it's also a, a mental challenge for myself to continue practicing my German every day. And of course, I use this in, in business as well. Then I use my free time to listen a lot to learning materials. I run every week, five, six hours. And that's a great possibility to listen to uh, podcasts and audiobooks. Sometimes the Hatch podcast as well, of course. Nice. And, um, and yeah, every year I try to get at least one major skill. Last year I, I got an AI certification. This year in September I did my DevOps Foundation certification. So continuously try to develop my knowledge base, let's say. But the other part is that I, I'm learning every day. And when I'm sitting in any meeting with my colleagues and I'm not the one who, who leads, because if you are the, the guy who leads a meeting, it's much harder. But when I'm participant of a meeting, I always try to observe other colleagues' behavior and try to understand their hidden motivation, what, why they do that and how do they do their actual things or what they explain in that meeting and try to learn and, and uh, use something from their repertoire. Maybe I even ask them after the meeting why you did that or, or this. And this is a fantastic opportunity to learn every day from your colleagues. If I listen carefully, Laszlo, I hear someone claiming he's a lifelong learner. But to be honest and to reflect a bit on you, I don't know you so well, but I also think you're a lifelong teacher in, in a certain way. Time is valuable and uh, we're going to wrap up. It's time to wrap up. And I, I want to thank you for this 
extremely inspiring uh, talk that we had together. Thank you, Laszlo. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it very much. I really hope it inspired you too, dear listeners. Thank you for listening. And do not forget, at the end of the day, humans will make the difference. <laughs>